Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. It is so good to be here. Are you guys ready for the Word of God today? Every day is a good day to get into God's Word, but there's something about Sundays, you know? I just love Sundays so much, but like you, said, like you guys know, if you come here often, you know that we always open up in prayer. So why don't you just bow your heads and let's just open up in prayer today. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in your presence. We thank you that we'll never forget or take for granted what we have here. We thank you that as you work through each and every family today, each and every individual, that they are strengthened, that fear is broken, that worry goes, God. We think that health and healing are flowing through every single person that is in this church right now, God. We thank you for the leaders of this country, the leaders of this world. We pray that joy and love and peace and strength flood them as individuals, flood their families, flood their communities, God. And we thank you that they ask for wisdom and knowledge from you each and every day as they continue to push forward this this nation of Canada, this province into your perfect will. And for those that are self-serving, God, in politics right now, we command, we just thank you that we can remove them and elect someone even better that will continue to just lead this amazing country of Canada in your perfect will. What is your perfect plan? And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Awesome. Give Jesus a hand. I have a fun one today. You guys ready? (laughs) I want to talk about something that's been close to my heart recently. Something that I've been studying, I always say, and I'll say it probably every message, and if I forget, you can remind me, I preach from what I'm studying and what is helping me right now as well. I'm not preaching from a standpoint of I have it all together. I'm not preaching it as a standpoint that I hear from God more than you guys. I'm not preaching from a standpoint that I am perfect and going forward. No, I'm preaching from a standpoint that I'm pretty screwed up. I hear from God like everyone else does. I I work on myself every single day. And we know that God can always work through any one of us and has a plan for each and every one of us. Now, what I become diligent in in my life that I push myself to be is that I just strive to align myself with God's word each day so that I can be guided into what his perfect life is for me. And that's what I truly, truly hope and pray for in your lives, in your family, in your community, wherever you are, that you continue to align yourself with God's word so he can show you why you were created. Once you find that out, it is pretty amazing. Now, there's something that, that everyone in, in life seems to struggle with on the daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it might be. And this word is called lack. It's a feeling of lack. How many of you can agree with me that God didn't create us to ever lack anything? Amen? Good. 20 of you. It's awesome. (laughs) This is why we're preaching this message today. How many of you agree that we serve a God of increase, not decrease? That was good. That was like 60. We're We're making ground. This is awesome. 
The point I'm trying to say is that God is a God uh, that sees abundant life within you. We, we serve a God of healing. We ser- serve a God of prosperity. We serve a God of favor. We serve a God of, of relationship, of love, of acceptance, of forgiveness. We serve a God of increase, not decrease, which means if you're feeling decrease in your life right now, you don't blame God for that. Now, everyone in the world that we live in always struggles with, with this one feeling and the feeling of lack. It's a very dangerous thing for us to feel. It's a feeling that we never quite have enough, that we're always scared that we might not have our needs met tomorrow. We're always wondering when God might just stop helping us or stop going there for us or whatever it might be. I liken this feeling of lack. I, you know, to make a dumb analogy, I have three dogs. Yes, three. You heard that right. I don't know if that makes me smart or dumb, but I have three of them, okay? We kind of stumbled into it. And now that we have three, I'm like, how do you give one away? I just don't know how to. I know people do sometimes, but it's very difficult to do that. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to. Now, we have one big dog and two very small dogs, so I kind of think that it's like more like one and a quarter dogs that we have. (laughs) We have one eight-month-old Mastiff. That's 100 pounds and eight months old. Yep, he's big. And we have a chihuahua that's five pounds. And we have a Yorkie that's four pounds. So it could be even like one and a tenth, you know? Like it's, it works. Now, the funny thing with dogs, if you ever had one, or animals in, in general, there's this thing called resource guarding. Have you had a dog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You wonder why they've been such a loving dog your entire life. And then you give something to them for the first time that they've never had before. And they feel like they'll never get it again. Therefore, once you give it to them, they are keeping it. And they're not letting you take it. Okay? Luckily, I've trained my Mastiff to not do that with me. Because there would be a time where we'd be in a wrestling match that might go either way. Okay? (laughs) So my Mastiff knows to give me the bone or whatever it is that I give him the second I ask him for it. It's really funny. I've taught him the the word out. If he has something I don't want in his mouth, I say out, and he just spits it on the floor. It's hilarious. He'll be in the middle of chewing it, just spit on the floor. It's so funny. Now, the resource guarding between the three dogs is a different story, okay? You have a very, very, I don't even know how to explain the chihuahua. Uh, she's, She's got an attitude, okay? She's alpha. Don't tell me how but she makes it work, okay? <laughs> but you give something to them that they, they each want and they're resource guarding and they're figuring out a way to get it from one another. Now, why do they do that? Because in their nature of an animal, of a dog, of whatever it is, their nature is to survive. They want to survive, meaning if they get something, they do not want to give it up at all for fear of not getting it again or fear of lack. This feeling of lack. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm using dogs as an analogy right now, and I, I agree, it's kind of funny. But at the end of the day, this feeling of lack is what, is what pushes people to resource guard, meaning they start to keep everything for themselves. They start to only, it, it completely destroys your generosity in your life and what you do and where you go. It destroys your ability to give love. It destroys your ability to give forgiveness or acceptance. It destroys your ability to give energy to someone else because everything becomes something that you need to guard because you don't know if you're going to get it again. Why? Because it's a fear of lack. The fear of lack is one of the worst things that we can possibly do. 
The fear of lack will walk you down a path of selfishness, of a spot where you, you don't believe that God is a God of increase, but instead he'll bless you when he does. And in between his blessings, you better hoard everything you can. You better keep it all. You know, my dad used to say, you, you make all you can, you can all you make, and then you sit on the can. He's saying, don't share it with anyone. That's not God's desire, okay? God's desire for us is to flourish. It, it, the nature of an animal is to survive. The nature of us is to thrive, okay? And we have to remember that because God's created us to thrive. It isn't some game that he created for, for the earth saying, ooh, I can't wait to watch them fight with each other over resources and everything. No, his goal is to make sure that we have all that we need at all times to the degree where we never worry about it so that we can be blessings to one another. It's in his word. It's in his word. And as we go forward, I want to preach out of a couple of different uh, scriptures and stories that we have here um, that, that I've prepared for this message. See, the fear of lack is very, very scary because you instantly start to erode your generosity with everything. And I mean everything. You get something and you're like, I can't give this, I can't do anything. You start to withhold love because you finally get love and maybe you weren't loved as you should have been as a kid or as a, as a spouse, whatever it might be. And the second you get it, it's like a resource guarding thing. You gotta guard it with all that you have. But God's word is telling you to do the opposite. God's word is telling you to align yourself with him. And as you align yourself with him, he will guide you into so much blessing you can't even contain it. But the most of us always think, oh, but then once I get this blessing, we, we have to, I, I'm scared. I might, not, I might not be able to, to contain it. I, I might not be able to, to have it again the next day. I have this fear of lack, this feeling of I might not get this again. And so I want to challenge you on that thinking today in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read out of Genesis chapter 3. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse four, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Let's pause for a moment. The next, mo the next part of this verse that we're going to just skip over is when finally Eve takes a bite and then says, Adam, you should try this. This is great. We should both eat this together. And they both eat it together. And now they, like the word of God says, they now have the knowledge of good and evil. It says their eyes were opened to the good and evil evil. So now that they've eaten, they've gone against what God said. They could eat from anything. They have abundance in every different area. Do you think they lacked anything in the Garden of Eden? No. It's a place that was meant to be just like blissful and walking and have everything that you need. I mean, Adam was just naming the animals for fun. Like that's what he just gave the animals the names and continued to live in this, in this garden. They walked around naked, not even knowing that they were naked. And this is what we read about later in this, in this Bible verse, in verse eight. Now, after they've eaten the, the fruit, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. 
weird all of a sudden that he, and this is pretty much what God says. And God says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree in which I commanded you that you should not eat? Interesting. So God's saying, first of all, how do you know you're naked? So you could tell in that moment there was a shame that Adam felt. There was a shame that he didn't have before he ate that fruit. And God said, how do you even know that you're naked? You shouldn't even know that. It shouldn't even be a thought. You shouldn't think to hide yourself. You shouldn't think to be, to be shamed. You shouldn't think that, that you're in any way inadequate or less than, but they already had the feeling of lack the second that they ate that fruit. The second they ate the fruit, they had the feeling of lack. As we go forward, we're, we're skipping to verse 20 now. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Verse 22, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God's saying, you now know the good and evil. You now have eaten a fruit that shows that you know and understand good and evil which tells us that God's intention in creating us was for us to never know that. You know why? Because I don't believe a human being can handle the negativity, the catastrophe, the war, the killing, the knowledge of everything evil happening on this planet. Your brain can't comp comprehend that. Your brain can't take it in. Your brain can't remain at peace with knowing everything because that's what God was reserving for him only to know so that we could live in the garden and go, yes, we live in bliss. We live, we're thriving. We have all that we need. We don't need to know about what only God needs to know about. Now, the scary thing is in the world that we live in is that everything around us all the time is pushing constant negative news all of the time. Negativity, pessimism, all this stuff where we're like, what is going on? I can't handle hearing about so many different things that are happening in the world. And you might say to me, Zach, well, we need to be informed. Yes, I agree with you, but please only be informed to the degree that you can handle. So many of us go deep diving, curiosity killed the cat types of things where we start to really deep dive into things that you know that you can't handle. And you start to feel anxiety, you start to feel depression, you start to feel suicidal thoughts. If you're a very empathetic person, you start to realize, I can't handle this. This is not for me. I don't know, I don't know how I can even think about this and enjoy my life knowing how much hurting and evil there is in the world. God never intended us for, to know, have the knowledge of good and evil. And in that verse, in, in, in 22, he says, let's make sure that Adam doesn't eat the tree, or the fruit from the tree of life. Why? Because the second they eat the, the, the fruit of, of the knowledge of good and evil, that's when the fall of man happened. So now sin entered into the world. And God didn't want Adam to eat the tree of life because he was saying, He'll eat the tree of life and then live forever in a fallen state. And that's not what I want them to do. God had a redemptive plan to save humanity before they even hurt themselves. And that way of saving them was saying, no, 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 don't eat that, don't eat that fruit now because we wanna make sure we can save you guys before you live forever in a fallen state. This is the love that we deal with with, with God. It's an it's a, it's a abundance that we live in. It's a side of understanding. Now, the crazy thing is, is, I firmly believe that Eve, she was without a name when she ate that apple, when she ate that fruit. 
She was without a name. It says in verse, I think, 20, it says that Adam gave her a name and said, I want to call you Eve. Before that, the Bible only referred to her as Adam's wife or a woman or whatever it might be. She had no identity to have a name with. And I truly believe that when the, 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 the Bible says the enemy comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, and that deception is his real big thing to use with us. But you can only deceive someone if they don't know the full truth. If I try to say something to you guys that you guys should come do this and, and, and you know full well in your heart, you're like, no, no, that's, that's not real. This guy's just trying to con us. You'll never fall for the deception. Never. But so many of us don't align ourselves with the word of God and so we don't know what's true and what's not. We actually don't know what God's word says and so when the enemy comes in to deceive us, to push us off of what God's best is for us, it's very easy to jump in there like Eve did and eat the fruit. See, you know what the crazy thing is? Is that God made Adam and Eve and each and every one of us here in his likeness and his image. And what did Satan use or that serpent use to deceive Eve? He said, it's because if you eat from this fruit, he knows that you'll become like him. We already know that God created these two and all of us in his likeness and image. Eve couldn't become any more like God. Do you believe that? She couldn't become any more like God in that moment because she was made in his likeness and image. The only thing like a loving father should do was trying, to pro- was trying to protect his kids from the knowledge of good and evil because God knew that this would ruin the world if everyone knew this. And I want to make sure that you can live a life that's more abundantly and that's with us not knowing about all the good and all the evil that happens because you can't have evil without good and you can't have good without evil. It's just how it happens. But they obviously took a different path and now we're on this side. Now identity is a massive thing within our fear of lack. Who you are. What's your purpose? Why are you on planet earth? Why are you here in 2023? These are questions we ask ourselves and if we are not aligned with God's word, we answer them very not knowing God's word, not knowing that he's guiding us towards an abundant life and instead we don't know why we're here. We don't know what our purpose is. Our identity is always messing with us. See, the beauty is, is that the beautiful thing about the serpent in that moment is he knew what to do. He thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that Adam and Eve feel like they're lacking something in a place they were lacking nothing. Isn't that crazy? So the serpent came in and made Eve feel like she wasn't totally what God wanted her to be. The same deception is what they use in your families. The same deception the enemy uses in your business. The same deception they use wherever you are. The enemy has no power if you know God's word. Because you'll know every deception, every deceiving tactic that he has to use between you, your spouse, you as an individual, your family, whatever it might be. See, we live in a world where everyone needs to go find themselves now because they don't know what their identity is. They have to go find themselves. They have to go figure it out. But we don't realize that you don't need to, af- to find yourself. You need to align yourself with God's word. When you align yourself with God's word, you no longer need to find yourself because you know where you are. But the problem is, is that when you go out to find yourself, you don't know who you are. Therefore, the first thing, person, enemy, whatever it is, to identify with you on that walk, on that journey, to find yourself is the place that you remain. 
and you start to go, okay, here we go. You know, fear of lack is hard because it always makes you depend on someone or something that's not God. Because if you depended on God, you'd never have a fear of lack, ever. And you're like, yeah, that preaches well, Zach, but yeah, right. Yeah, you can believe it or you don't have to believe it. Like I said, I'm in my own journey too and I'm learning to, to figure out what this means in my relationship with God. I'm figuring out what this feeling of lack is and how we can get rid of it. But God never intended us to ever have a feeling of lack because the moment we have a feeling of lack, it erodes our generosity in every single area of our life. Every single one. How you love your spouse, how you love your kids, how you, how you go to work, how you accept friends, how you forgive people how you give generously finances too, how you give your time, how you give your resources. Every aspect of giving gets eroded the second you feel like you have to resource guard. And it's scary. Have you ever, have you ever met someone or maybe you're friends with someone that just like, they're just generous off the charts. It's like they get a boat and it's like, they just want to have family days with friends over to the lake and just enjoy the boat together because they just want everyone to enjoy what they have. Maybe you go over there and it's like no matter what, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, no matter what kind of day they have, they're always willing to give a hug. They're always willing to give love. They're always willing to give acceptance. These people are so beautiful. Why? Because they're aligning their belief with God. And when you align yourself with God, you no longer struggle with who you are. I've never seen such a big fight in the world we've ever lived in for identity. It's scary. And I always think over here, I'm, I'm so glad that I've never struggled with identity. But I also know that I had parents and church and church family in a village that was probably helping raise me when I was a kid too, of saying, look, God loves you. God's created you the way that you are. Okay, whatever it is, he created you that way. And for us to establish ourselves in that means that we have to align ourselves with the man who made us, which is only gonna bring that identity that you need in the world that we live in. See, we, we get into, when we start to read the word of God, we read so many different verses about how God's abundance is for us and how he gives towards us. We, I could read tons of verses. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Psalms 34.10, the lion may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. 2 Corinthians 9.8, this is one of my favorite verses, and if you're taking notes, write this down because it is so good. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you believe that? You guys are quiet today. Am I yelling too much? I'm just teasing. God wants to bless you. And here's the thing. How do I, where do I go with this? You are wired a certain way. The way God wired you. Okay? With a computer, it's wired for a certain thing. Now, the software that you upgrade or download onto that computer can reprogram what the computer was made for and what it does and how it thrives in certain things or what its tasks are. Now, just like you, you are wired a certain way. God's created you a certain way. 
But if we don't align ourselves with his word, which becomes the software in which we live, we allow everything else to be the software that we download. And as you download a different software, your programming changes even though your wiring is still the same that God created you. Keep them up with me. So as you continue to go forward, you start to realize that the only thing that changes God's wiring, or not even wiring, the programming that you have is going to be your heart beliefs. So now we have thoughts, right? We go through life, we think things, we have these thoughts that sometimes we're like, okay, hey, get that out of my head. I can't even think about that. It's causing me to, to go down a certain way. We have other ways where it's like, no, 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 but you have a heart belief that you have. And so now to carry on this analogy and ditch the computers, many of us are programmed a certain way by news, by um, what we read on the internet, by TV shows we allow ourselves to watch. In the word of God, it says, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. That means most of the things that we go through in the world that we live in are why? Because we haven't guarded our heart and it's not God's best for us. You guys still with me? <laughs> Good. So now here's the thing. Your heart beliefs are a thermostat, okay? When you go home and you set your thermostat in your apartment, in your house, where you live, you set that thermostat to the degrees that you want it to be, correct? If it's 18, 20, maybe you're in Fahrenheit. I don't know. I can't keep up with these different thermostats now. Let's say you want to keep your house nice and cold at 18. Let's say you crack a window in the winter because you like it being a little colder. The second that thermostat goes down to 17, with a thermometer and that thermostat goes down to 17 or 16, that thermostat is now kicking in heat as hard as it can possibly go to bring that thermostat back to the desired setting. Now, the beliefs of your heart are a thermostat. And if you come and sit in church and you come learn all that you can and, and you start to, to, to figure out what God's word says, if you don't change your heart beliefs, no matter how many times you come to church, no matter how much word you read, no matter how many devotions you do with you and your spouse, no matter what you do, your heart beliefs will always bring you back to the setting of your last heart belief. So if it's lack, guess what? Your heart's always gonna make you feel like you're in lack. Maybe you, you felt like you're, you were raised in lack, your parents were in lack, your grandparents were in lack. It's been a generational curse, you might say to people. And so, oh yeah, I'm gonna be in lack my entire life too. You might even get abundance of money, abundance of possessions, abundance of everything that you ever need from love and affection and acceptance, but you might just push it all away because your wiring, your thermostat of your heart instantly pushes it back to your heart beliefs of no, no, I'll always be in lack. You'll be making a million dollars a year and you'll be in lack. You're making $500 million a year, and you'll be in lack. You'll have the best marriage, the best family, the best place, so much peace, so much strength, yet still feel like you're missing something. Isn't that scary? So the only way for us to redo our thermostat in the life that we live is to change our heart beliefs. Many of us think negatively off the hop. Many of us have this pessimistic tone with everything that we do all of the time. It's because of our heart beliefs. It's because we're allowing the externals to program us instead of understanding what our wiring is in us about, where it's supposed to push us, that God wants you to never lack in anything, anything. But the only way that we can experience that is if we believe it. 
See all those verses that I read? It doesn't matter what the Bible says. Huh? What'd you say? It doesn't matter what the Bible says. Amen? Ah, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it matters if you believe it. Amen? Because if you don't believe it, you'll never experience it. And many of, you, many of you are subconsciously believing so many things about you, about your marriage, about yourself, about your work, about your, about your business, about your church. And you believe these without even thinking because it's, it's just programmed into you because we live in a world that if you're not diligent in how you program yourself, aligning with yourself with God's word, somebody else, somewhere else will program you. This is how it works. I don't mean that anything weird. I'm just saying we have so much information coming into our lives, always, always in, in trying to erode our marriages, erode our kids, erode our families. They're trying to just get us off track. Why? Because the devil knows that if he's going to, against a strong Christian family, he has no chance. He knows that if he's against a strong person who knows who he or she is in Christ, nothing can derail that person. Nothing. We don't have the ability as human beings to know about every single disaster everywhere all the time. I'd actually say don't always go on the news. Be informed to the degree that you can handle it and then after that, go on to do what God's called us to do. No disaster changes what we are here to do. In fact, it makes us go run harder and run faster. I'm sorry I'm getting passionate again. I'm not yelling at you guys. Just yelling, I don't know. <laughs> But God's plan for you is so strong, so strong. God's plan for abundance in your life is huge. And some of you already have dis disagreed with you, me in your mind. Well, no, that, that's what, stop it. Stop it, I'm serious. Some of you have such a confirmation bias that it's like, it's just, you'll always go with what confirms what you already believe. And if you always go with what, confirm, what you confirm to believe right now, it's like you'll never actually learn the truth because you're not accepting of what God's word says. It's like if you've been taught that God wants you to live in lack all the time, that is something you need to seriously work on and, and counter. Because you'll never experience God's abundance if you always think you're going to live in lack. Am I saying you're going to have infinite amount of money? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the prosperity gospel that God wants you to be rich and have, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying God wants you to live abundantly, period. That's in your family, that's in your home, that's in your finances, okay? That's in, in everything that you do. I know I'm, I, I feel in my gut right now that I'm testing people right now. I feel like there's someone in here that completely disagrees with me, that's, that's okay, that's okay. What we need to understand is we need to remain open Okay, agree out loud to the things you guys agree with me on. And if you disagree, go home and study it. And then come back and see it, right? Because we're always going to read with a confirmation bias with every verse. If I tell you a story about the, the, the stock market crashing, one person's going to say, oh, it's a time to invest. And the other person's going to say, oh, I told you, that's a gimmick. It's, it's now it's failing. It doesn't matter. what. It all matters what you believe. And I'm getting on a tangent that wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> But I'm just saying that God's created for you to live abundantly. God's created your marriage to flourish. God's created you to love your spouse like you have never loved before. And the same from your spouse to you. 
God's created you to, to raise a family like we did child dedication today, to raise their family in, in Christ, in faith, in what they're doing so they can go on to do miraculous things for him. This all goes back to what I said many weeks ago when we had the vision night where they named me senior pastor where I said, all we have to do is make sure we increase Jesus and not focus on our own personal increase. Why? Because we don't need to worry about our personal increase. God has already got that covered. Do you agree with that? God will always deal with the increase on your part if you just focus on increasing God. It's amazing what he will do. I was supposed to go into an entirely different like, story and I was supposed to go into Exodus and I was supposed to go talk about Moses and the Israelites and I was supposed to talk about manna raining from heaven and I'm out of time, okay? So it's, it's just crazy when you get on, on these tangents but I honestly feel like it's Holy Spirit led when I'm up here and I chase a bunch of rabbits because I'm feeling passionate about this and I really want us Christians, us believers to realize that you are not meant to live in lack. And if you have a spirit of lack your entire life, it doesn't matter what you get. It doesn't matter what you gain. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter if you have a happy marriage. It doesn't matter if you have the most amazing wife ever or the amazing husband ever. You will not think you do because you live in the state of lack. It's scary. But God's abundance is flowing. God didn't create this world so some people don't get to have what other people get. No, he's saying, just follow me and I will lead you to what your purpose is on this world. I will lead you to do so amazing things. I wish I could go into the Exodus, but I can't. Ugh. Sometimes I, 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 I catch these, these. Okay, I'll really, really buzz through it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Moses was leading the Israelites out of, out of slavery, correct? He was leading them, trying to get them to the promised land. I'm going to talk really fast, and I'm going to ask you to go read Exodus 16 by yourselves and study it this week. Um, know it's Old Covenant, so it, you might have some questions, but just don't focus on the things you don't understand. Focus on the things I'm going to say, okay? Um, anyways, long, long rant ended. Moses trying to lead them out there. Israelites were saying to Moses, are, are you leading us out here? We're hungry. We don't have nothing to eat. We've been out here for ages. Why are we going hungry? When we were slaves back, back over there, we were eating at least. We were fed. We were good. And now you let us into the wilderness. These Israelites were saying to Moses, saying, and now we're going to starve and we're going to die? And then God spoke to Moses and God pretty much says this, I'm paraphrasing, but God said, I will rain manna, bread, food from heaven for you guys. And he says this, he says, and every time it rains, this food, I want you to come gather what you need for that day and no more. Interesting, okay? And then he says, we have a Sabbath coming on, on, on the day of the Sabbath, the day before, you're gonna gather double, a double portion so that you are covered through the Sabbath, through your day of rest. Now in this, we all wonder, why, well, why did, God, why did God only rain the amount that they needed? And there's, there's a couple things that I gotta really go through fast here. God wanted to prove to them and, and gain their trust and dependence on him. God wanted to go, hey, Israelites, only gather what you need because I want you to trust that I'm gonna come again tomorrow and bring you more food. Don't worry about today, or sorry, don't worry about tomorrow, I'll take care of tomorrow. Just worry about what you eat today. Another thing is, is that if God gave too much manna and they all just got as much as they could and they had more than they could, they, God knew that it would start this greed and hoarding within them. It wouldn't be a generosity of making sure everyone eats. It'd be like, I'm keeping this for myself because I don't know if we're ever gonna get this again. It's the feeling of lack. 
God was trying to get rid of this feeling of lack and saying, no, 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 no. Trust me each and every day and I will always make sure your needs are met, okay? And either we believe that or we don't, but what we believe shapes what we experience and what we experience is whether we enjoy life or not. And it all comes back to the, down to the thermostat of your heart. So there's a few more things out of Exodus that we, that we realize why God did that. Why did God say only gather a certain amount? Well, one, it, fuss, it made us foster trust in God. We had to trust God. Israelites had to trust God that they would get, they would get it every single day. The second thing, I'm just rifling through that, hoarding and greed. God didn't want them to get into this side. Like I said, every fear of lack makes you not generous anymore. And I mean with everything in your life everything. So he said, if you just get what you need and you trust me that you will always get what you need, then you will have no worries. You'll always get that abundant blessing. That next thing is that it promotes gratitude. It promotes gratitude. Gathering of, of the bread daily allowed the Israelites to develop a sense of gratitude for God's provision each day. They had a tangible reminder of God's care, which could counteract feelings of lack with feelings of abundance and thankfulness. Meaning that if you feel lack right now, start thanking God for what you have. I guarantee you have a lot, okay? Two more comments and then I gotta close it, okay? Next thing, next thing God was trying to say in this is that it, it emphasized being in the present moment. So many of us are focused on the future all the time. So many of us are focused on what tomorrow holds. We can't even enjoy today. The word of God says rejoice in today because it's a day that the Lord has made. No other reason. Not because you're in grief right now. Not because you're in lack. Not because in whatever you're feeling. No, he's saying rejoice in it. And then it says don't worry about tomorrow. Just worry about today for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. But then this word of God right here we read in Exodus says I will take care of your worries tomorrow. So just gather what you need today and it's amazing what will happen. Not only it strengthened their relationship with God because they had to depend on him. So many of us don't have to depend on God anymore because we have all that we need. We have a job that pays the bills. We have a house to have our families and kids or live by yourself, whatever it is. We don't need to depend on God. But now that you have so much in, in, in the first world that we live in, you can now really start to choose to depend on God. And when you depend on God in that way, you start to realize that he provides for you each and every day. Every day. But if you don't change your heart beliefs, the thermostat of your heart beliefs will always take you back into lack. Always. Like I said, don't find yourself. Align yourself with God's word. Don't try to go find yourself in this. Don't try to do these things that are supposed to fulfill something in you that only God can fulfill. Shopping spree ain't going to fulfill you. I usually say husbands elbow your wives, but I mean, we live in a day and age where wives, you should probably elbow your husbands too. It might feel fulfilling in, in the moment. It might feel nice, but it will never last. And that goes with everything until we learn to go, nope, we need to align ourselves with God's word because God's abundance is for you, for me, for your families, for your community. We are to live in that. How are we supposed to go on and do more for God and what he's called us to do if we are so busy worrying about our own needs? Answer that. I don't know. God doesn't want you to worry about your own needs. He's saying, don't worry about them. I'll worry about them. And his word says, don't even worry about that. I'll always make sure you lack nothing. What does it say? For the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
I'm going to end with this one line. Is the Lord actually your shepherd? Because if he is, you won't want. In other words, you won't lack. There's nothing that you'll want if the Lord is your shepherd because he'll provide everything that you need. Okay, I got to cut it off here. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Yeah, give Jesus a hand. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Every single day at church, every Sunday we take time to, I mean, I preach to a lot of believers here. I preach to a lot of people that are already Christians, which is phenomenal. It's great to preach to Christians and, and it's great, but at the end of the day, it's like we are here because we want to reach those that don't know God. And knowing God is something that is a privilege for us to know. God wants to, to be there for us. He wants to handle, handle all the cares of the world for us. He wants to take us out of lack that we're in right now, that feeling, and show us the abundance that he has for us. But you might be sitting there going, I am not even into step one yet. I don't even believe in God yet. I, I want to be a Christian. I want to believe in Jesus, but I don't know what to do. And I want to take a quick moment for those of you that are in that boat right now and offer you an opportunity where you can Believe in Jesus and accept him into your life and become this Christian that we are talking about here. You know, your life changes when you align yourself with Jesus. When you start to model your life after Christ, your life changes. It's, it's, it, it's inevitable. God's powerful. If you allow him to lead you, you will become better. Just how it works. But many of you might not know God right now. And whether you're in front of me sitting in the seats or whether you're online right now, wherever you are, I just want to say to those of you watching online, this works straight through that computer screen. This works straight through the, into that living room. This works straight into that, onto that, into that car. Wherever you are, technology is amazing. It allows you to pray this prayer with us here in Winnipeg as we speak live to you as well. And so for those of you that are here right now, if that's you, you've been listening to these messages maybe the last few weeks, whatever it might be, and you think, I really want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to look around for just a couple seconds here, but everyone bowing your heads, closing your eyes, no one looking around except me, the person that's making that decision, and God. But if that's you, I just want you to just raise your hand and give me a quick little wave, and I'll include you in this prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. God wants to provide for your family. Thank you. God wants you to know that it's all going to be okay if you just trust him. I get it. It's hard to trust him in the midst of grief. It's hard to trust him in the midst of loss. I get it. It's hard to trust him in the midst of something you don't know what's going to happen. But God's just saying, don't even worry about that. Just use all your strength to just focus on me and I'll take you where you need to go. I'm look around for just one more second to see if anyone else wants to be included in this prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Man, thank you. This is the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. It's very easy to, be, to, to, to believe in Jesus. You just got to pray a prayer. The Bible says we just believe in Jesus. He is the way for us to get to heaven, but it's not the only reason we do it. We do it so we can live like heaven on earth, so we can experience his abundance here and I mean abundance in love. I mean abundance in acceptance. I mean abundance in forgiveness. I mean abundance in every single area of your life. But I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me with everyone else who's made this decision. The prayer goes like this. Father, in Jesus' name, 
I give you my life. Please come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year, for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm following you. In your name, amen and amen. Let's give a round of applause to all those amazing people that made that decision.